So right there now, what we find out is the elite priesthood of the old covenant is no more because Jesus Christ has died so that there's no longer the need of a priest to stand between God and man because the great high priest gave his life and shed his blood that all sins would be covered and therefore every person alive in Jesus Christ you are now part of the chosen race and a royal priesthood. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Live in the Light. Live in the Light is obviously a radio program, but maybe not so obvious to you who are just tuning us in for the first time. We're a radio program that's all about the Word of God. In fact, we strongly believe that when God's Word is open and we walk verse by verse through its truths, well, our lives change as God's Spirit works and moves in us. So we pray that for you today, in particular, as we walk verse by verse through that last Old Testament book, the book of Malachi. Our Bible teacher, Pastor Robbie Simons, is in studio with me now. And Robbie, looking at the beginning of this passage, it begins, and now, O priest, this command is for you. So does that mean that I should just tune this out? It's not for me, right? Or is it? Yeah, that's a great question. So that is taken directly again from our text. O priest, this command is for you. But we're learning today, again, as God wants the heart of his people, he must start with the heart of his leaders. You might say, I'm not a leader right now. Is this for me? Well, the answer, of course, is yes. Because we believe in the priesthood of all believers. We also believe the standard for leaders are wonderful goals for all of us to seek to strive to. Furthermore, if we're not leaders, we're being led by some who are to pray for them, to see how God is at work in their lives, to long to have leaders of integrity and authenticity before the Lord. But hear God's heart today, how much he cares about who we are, again, as leaders in his church and that are leading his people, Lord willing, to the Lord Jesus Christ. So such an important, I'm really, really excited about this message today too because of how much is at stake and how God wants to work in our hearts. So again, lean forward, get ready, and we pray God will impact you today through this message. Awesome. All right. Well, let's check out God's words for all of us today. Malachi chapter 2, verses 1 through 9 is our text. And here again is our teacher, Pastor Robbie. I want to start our time today from a passage actually in the New Testament. I'm going to put the essence of it on the screen for you. It's actually a list from Titus 1. And in Titus 1 here, this is a list of elder qualifications that is obviously given for the leadership of the church. And in this case, as we just said, the office of um, elder. I want you to look at this and just kind of see how detailed it is and go through this kind of quickly. So Paul's writing to Titus and he's trying to help him set up. This is the things that are very important to the Lord. This is what it means and for a leader must have if he's going to be represented within the church. So notice this, it must be above reproach. He must be thought of well by outsiders. He must have a strong reputation here and beyond here as well. I can't be arrogant, not to be quick-tempered, 
Uh, not a drunkard or violent should make sense. Um, not loving money. In 1 Timothy 3, it says that. 1 Timothy 3 is kind of the comparison of elder qualifications as well. Here, Titus 1, not greedy for gain, uh, must be hospitable, uh, lovers of others around him and strangers within the church, uh, a lover of good, uh, to be self-controlled, filled with the fruit of the Spirit um, of God and demonstrating that, not perfectly, but consistently. Um, he is to be upright and then uh, holy as in the Lord and disciplined in his walk with Jesus Christ. And he is then, and notice all here, this is now how much God cares about the word. And we're gonna see this today in our text. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word. As you hold firm to the word, you must be apt to teach, the Bible says, or to be able to give instruction with the word. And then if you're able to give instruction, you need to be able to rebuke those who contradict it. Because as we hear today, the preservation of the word of God is so, so important to the heart of God as well. And so this is, this is kind of one list of qualifications among two in the New Testament that's highlighting who the leader in the office of elder in the church is supposed to be. Now, you can look at this list in some ways, if you're sitting here today, you're not an elder, you're like, phew, I'm so glad I'm not an elder. You know what I'm saying? Because this is a really high bar. You look at this and you're like, whoa, man, that's, that's just something that I'm not sure I even want to kind of get close to because that just seems like it might rip right through my life, right? And so it is a high bar and it is kind of puts fear and trembling as you look at it within you and say, oh God, by your grace, this will only take place. But here's what I want us to all see, okay? This is specifically written as the bar that can't be lowered for the office of elder within the New Testament church, okay? But for every single person who's alive in the Lord Jesus Christ, for every Christ follower, the Spirit of God within you doesn't look at this and say, oh, that's just for a couple of people and not for you. The Spirit of God within you says, this is the goal. This is the desire. This is the aim of our lives. One of the foremost purposes of our lives in Jesus Christ is sanctification. And sanctification is growing more like Jesus Christ because that's when we give the most glory to God. So yes, this is a list for elders, but I suggest to you, this is a list for all in the church. For every Christ follower looks at this and says, this is who I desire to be. This is the goal of where I am being called to go. Yes, for elders, but I suggest to you for all. Why do I bring this up? Because this is what we're facing today in the book of Malachi. Today in Malachi, we have a specific command that is directed against, again, the priests of the day. The priests are getting a direct word from God to them. It's a word that must be heard by the priests and it must be received by the priests in Malachi's day. But it's also a word for all of God's people as they desire to give their heart to the Lord and to receive blessing in this life. Furthermore, let's get some theology on our hearts right now. If we go to the New Testament in the New Covenant, in 1 Peter 2.9, Peter says to the church, and if you're here today born again, alive in Jesus Christ, this is for you too. Peter says that you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. Yes. So right there now, what we find out is the elite 
priesthood of the old covenant is no more because Jesus Christ has died so that there's no longer the need of a priest to stand between God and man because the great high priest gave his life and shed his blood that all sins would be covered and therefore every person alive in Jesus Christ, you are now part of the chosen race and a royal priesthood, okay? If you're having a bad day right now, your day just got a little bit better, all right? This from the theology I expressed to you, you have full access to the living God now because of Jesus Christ. So, so think about that then. As we look into the context of Malachi in the Old Covenant, we pull it forward today though, and we understand, yes, the context is for the spiritual leaders. And application today obviously falls upon the spiritual leaders here and now. But it also falls upon the royal priesthood, which is every person who is alive in Jesus Christ today. Malachi 2 Verses one to nine, let's get our Bibles open. Here we go. So we're at chapter two, verse one. Why is that? Well, because last week we finished the last verse of chapter one. And so now we just carry on to the next verse, which happens to be the first verse of chapter two. How fun is that? Amen, church? Verse by verse through God's word, we love it. And this, trust me, this takes us to places we would never go otherwise, proven by a couple of verses here today, all right? Malachi two, verse one says this. And now, O priests, this command is for you. There you go, all right? It's very clear. God's like, I got a word, man. I got a word for the leaders of the day. I got a word for the priests. This command, it's right for you, spiritual leaders in Malachi's day. Here it is. If you will not listen, priests, if you will not take it to heart, priests, if you will not give honor to my name, priest, says the Lord of hosts. Notice, then I will send the curse upon you and I will curse your blessings. Isn't that interesting? I will curse your blessings. Indeed, I've already cursed them because why? Because you do not lay it to heart. And here's the verse everyone's been waiting for since we entered into the book of Malachi, verse three. Behold, I will rebuke your offspring and spread dung on your faces. And the dung, you're laughing, they weren't, all right? They weren't the dung of your offerings, and you shall be taken away with it. So you shall know that I have sent this command to you that my covenant with Levi may stand, says the Lord of hosts. Notice, now we move on to positive. My covenant with him was one of life and peace, and I gave them to him. It was a covenant of fear, and he feared me. He stood in awe of my name. Just notice how important honor, fear, and awe is to the Lord from his people. This is when he gets glory from his people. This is when life is lived out in purpose. Verse six, true instruction was in his mouth. No wrong was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness and he turned many away from iniquity. For the lips of the priest should guard knowledge. God cares so much about truth and people should seek instruction from his mouth for he's the messenger of the Lord of hosts. He goes back to the priest, but you, but you priest, you've turned aside from the way. You have caused many to stumble by your instruction notice. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. And so I make you despised and abased before all the people inasmuch as you do not keep my ways, but show partiality in your instruction. So each message title so far in this series is coming directly from the text itself. I wanted to keep that kind of momentum up. And so here is this week's sermon title taken directly from the text in verse one. Oh, priest, this command is for you. Oh, priest, this command is for you. Now, as you can tell, just as that scripture was read, the Lord is going after the heart of his leaders. 
He's going after the heart among his spiritual leaders. Listen, again, again, return to me. I will return to you. God cares so much about the heart. Why? Because when he has their hearts, he has their everything. When the Lord has our heart, my heart, your heart, he has our everything. It's vitally important to the Lord that his ministry leaders are leading from their heart rooted in the Lord of hosts. In fact, what we see today from this text is where the hearts are among the priests of Malachi's day will determine whether or not they are blessed or whether or not they are cursed. This is how important the heart is before the Lord. Just in case you need a little more theological foundation under this kind of theme, let's look at Deuteronomy 6. This is the greatest commandment given in Scripture that Jesus, of course, authenticated in the Gospels. Here is the heart of God for all of his people, all of his church, you and I. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. And now the synonyms come with all your soul, with all your might, your entire entire being, your mind, your affections, your will, your heart coming together is to love the Lord your God with all that you have. Again, the greatest commandment. Notice this too. And these words that I command to you today shall be on your heart. Because when the Lord has our hearts, he has our everything. The emphasis, the specific call of our hearts before the Lord, specifically today again to the priests in Malachi's day. What's the difference in our lives? It always comes down to the heart. So let's get started then. Oh, priests, this command is for you. How do we summarize the first exhortation? Number one is this, authentic ministry will always come down to the heart. Authentic ministry. This is where now we can take the principle of Malachi 2 and we can apply it to the elders of this church. We can apply it to the worship leaders across this place. We can apply it to the small group leader, whoever it is. We can apply it to the dads in the home. Authentic ministry will always come down to the heart. Two times in the first two verses of chapter two, the Lord comments on the necessity of the heart. Look at verse two. God says, priests, if you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart. So notice the condition there. If states the condition. If you don't listen, if you don't take it to heart, if it doesn't become deep within you, then there's going to be a problem. Oh, how the Lord wants the heart. Why? Proverbs 4, verse 23, for from it the heart flow the springs of life. See, God wants your heart because from it, life is found what's happening within us. Why does the Lord want the heart? Luke chapter six, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Let me ask you the words that you use this week, the conversations you were in, were they helpful? Were they hurtful? Did they make progress in people's lives? Did you say things that were regrettable? Did you hurt people? The point is, is that the words we speak prove what's actually happening within us. Out of the abundance of the heart, the male speaks. The Lord wants your heart because when he has your heart, then all of a sudden the fruit of our lips becomes something that is pleasing to him and used in the furthering of his glory and the gospel from our lives. God cares about the heart. Why? First Samuel 16, man looks on the outward appearance but the Lord looks on the heart. 
Because when God has your heart again, God is gonna do great things through your life and through mine. Look also at verse two again. Look at the end of verse two. He says this. He says, indeed, I've already cursed them because you do not lay it to heart. So because the heart, in this context, in the priests of Malachi's day, their heart was not engaged, so therefore they were cursed. We talk about the heart, it's good to understand in our Western context versus in the Hebrew and the meaning of the heart in Hebrew. In Hebrew, the heart was really um, understood as the seat of the will. The seat of the will, guiding your life, guiding your thoughts, guiding your affections. In Western thought, we often use heart in terms of emotional responses. You say, how's your heart doing today? How are you, how you feeling? Where's your heart at? We're often talking about how do you feel? How you do? Are you happy? Are you sad? Is your heart in a good place? Is your, is your heart causing you to feel? We often use it in an emotional sense, which is okay, but it's not complete. To understand the heart biblically is this. It's the seat of the will. How do we unpack that? The biblical heart is defined as our mind, our affections, and our will. The heart is unpacked is the way we think, the emotions, the affections we place those in, and then, of course, the will, the direction, the guidance of our lives. So think of then why God cares so much about the heart. Because when the Lord has the heart of his minister, he has his mind, he has his thoughts. He is thinking through the minister of the Lord. He has his affections. The affections of the minister, the leader of God, is, is loving the Lord with all his heart. He is pouring out his praise, not to the world and not to temporal items, but to the eternal life and the Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father, God the Holy Spirit. And then he has the will of his leader. He guides him. He shows him where to go. He steers him according to his path and his will. Of course, the Lord wants the heart of his leaders. And of course, the Lord wants your heart as well. Because when he has your heart, man, he has got every part of you. And when he has every part of you, wow, life comes into focus and blessing is so clearly seen. Notice what's at the heart of the heart in verse two. In verse two, it says, if you will not take it to heart, and then he says, to give honor to my name. So there it is again. The Lord is so concerned with the fear of the Lord among his people with giving honor to the name, notice, to the name of the Lord as well. Now think about why that's so important. God works and blesses those who seek to honor his name through their lives, particularly those in a position of leadership. Think about this. How many men have been raised up for the Lord over the last 2,000 years, all throughout church history? They have been raised up, men or women raised up by the Lord, and it starts out for the honor of the name of the Lord. The ambition is pure. The desire is for the glory of God. But then all of a sudden, the platform, the prestige, uh, the money, whatever it might be, all of a sudden, their hearts start to drift and it no longer becomes about the name of God. And often what happens, it becomes about their name and their honor. And when it becomes about their honor, they might say the right things, but in reality, it's about the promotion of self as opposed to the promotion of the Lord Jesus Christ and his name. Now, this has been one of the 
tremendous battles, again, over the history of the church. And as much as ever, we could say even today, is it about the kingdom of God or is it about the empire of man? God will not sit back very long and bless the individual that is trying to build his empire as opposed to the furthering of the glory of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ to honor the name of Lord God Almighty. And here's what happens. If you honor the name of the Lord and living the fear of him, you are so closely connected to him. When you drift away from the honor of the name of the Lord and you start to honor your own name, you have to, spiritually, theologically speaking, start to drift away from God. And when you drift away from God, you are drifting away from the favor of God as well. And this is what is happening. In fact, in verses one to three, this is what's being described. Look particularly at verse three. He says this, Behold, I will rebuke your offering and spread dung on your faces the dung of your offerings, and you shall be taken away with it. Now, usually I want you to live in the text. I'm not sure how much I want you to live in verse three in this case, all right? But notice how God is not mincing words at all. I mean, look how serious he is about the heart of his people, about the heart of his leaders. Now, why does God bring up dung in this case? When animals were sacrificed, almost always there would be leftover excrement within the animals. And the specific instructions were, were to take the dung, remove it outside of the camp, outside of the worship sanctuary and burn it. But here God says, here God says, instead, I'm going to take that dung and I'm going to rub it in your face. I'm going to rub your faces in it. Now consider the poetic justice here of chapter one leading into chapter two. What God is doing here, remember, he's taking their hypocritical sacrifices. Remember, the priests and the people, they were bringing to God their leftovers. They were bringing to God their worst. They were bringing lame, sick, blind animals. They were taking that which caught them the least and offering it to the God who deserved their best. So in the poetic justice, as we said, what God does, he takes their cheap, lame, awful, worst offerings, takes the worst of their worst offerings, the excrement, the dung of these pathetic leftovers and says, how about I take what you offer to me and now put it back on you? You, you want to give me the worst of your life? Well, let's see how that works out for you is what God is saying right now. What gets even worse, though, is that if dung were to be wiped on the faces of the priest, that would mean they would instantly become unclean. And the moment they're unclean, they also must be removed from the sanctuary. They also must be removed from the camp or the temple area, okay? And so what that would mean then, and just if you look at the end of verse 3, look at the end of verse 3, he's telling us here, the dung of your offerings, and you shall be taken away with it. See why this is so devastating? God's like, I don't have your heart, man. You're not honoring my name. You're doing things for yourself. This is about your glory, your ambition, and therefore dung's on your faces, and you now will be removed from the very presence of God. You have now forfeited the blessing of the Lord in this context, in Malachi. And he says, instead, there's gonna be a curse upon your life. God takes the cheapness they offer to him, and now he says, that's not gonna... Now, how do we apply 
the context of Malachi 2 in the old covenant, how do we apply that now with the new covenant? Let me just say this, man. In Jesus Christ, man, the curse has been paid for. The curse is taken away. I mean, we are, there's, there's nothing that will remove our status in the Lord Jesus Christ ever, ever. We are saved in him. We are loved by him. We are forever forgiven. Every sin, past, present, future. We will always be a child of God, never lose our salvation. We are his. Jesus says, none of me, the Father gives me, I will cast out. I will not lose, not, not one, not one. So we understand that. We understand our salvation is 100% secure. We will never lose our status. We cannot be cursed by God under the new covenant. Somebody say, praise the Lord, all right? That's really good news, okay? But listen, I think one a good verse in the New Testament to help us to relate to the old is from Galatians 6. In Galatians 6, Paul says this, do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. He says, you will reap what you sow. If you reap the flesh, you will sow the flesh, you will reap the flesh. If you reap the spirit, you will reap the things of the spirit. In that context, Paul is saying, if you live your life for temporal things, if you keep sowing of the things of the flesh, you will reap the equivalent. If you reap sow of the spirit, you will reap of the spirit. So we see here, my status will never be removed in Jesus Christ. But if I live for the world, if I live for self, if I live for my own empire, if I live for the honor of my name, I will reap those things as well. And it won't be great. So I can't be cursed. But listen, I won't be blessed in the same way I would if I was living in the fear of the Lord and the honor of the name of God. We can certainly grieve the Spirit of God. And as we grieve the Spirit of God, then all of a sudden the presence of the Lord is harder to discern. And through our sin that remains unconfessed or we're just not broken over it or whatever, then we find ourselves drifting away from the perceived presence of the Lord. All that to say, loved ones, we apply it now to us, how important it is that our hearts are pure before the Lord. How important it is our hearts are for the Lord because our heart determines everything. Our heart tells who we are. This is why Jesus said in the greatest sermon ever given, Sermon on the Mount, he says, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. You see that? You see that? You see that? So Jesus is, what does is, what is pure in heart mean? Pure in heart means sweet intimacy and communion with the Lord. The pure in heart of those who are so closely in pursuit, just like that song we just sang, simple pursuit. That, that's it, man. That's, that's pure in heart. A longing, a wanting to be so close to Jesus Christ. For therefore we see God. So if you take that verse and apply it in the negative, those who are not pure in heart have a very hard time seeing the Lord. A very hard time noticing and observing where he is among their lives. I want you to also notice too, from the moment this book began, the hearts of God's people have wandered. From the very first verse, and specifically the priests. And listen, the moment their hearts start drifting is the moment they start drifting away from God. When we start drifting away from God, then we are drifting towards inauthentic ministry. We are drifting towards a ministry that is devoid of the presence or the power of God within it. That's why this is such a big deal. Authentic ministry always comes down to the heart. Now, loved ones, if you know me, if you've been in this church for more than just a couple of months, let alone a few years, you know this. You know how much I care about the heart. You know how much I care about your heart, like your heart. I pray for your heart and mine probably more than anything else. Why? Because where our hearts are at will determine where we are at, will determine where this church is going. I often feel sorry for our staff. 
I feel sorry for our elders because I'm just, I just, Robbie always talks about the heart, man. Just always the heart, always bring up the heart. Oh, the heart, the heart, the heart. Because listen, listen, why do I talk about the heart so much? Because God talks about the heart so much. Here we are again. I'm not making this stuff up. I'm just reading to you what's in the, in the word of God. And God comes back and he says, man, I need your heart. I need your heart. I want your heart. It's not going to work. And so I feel bad for our staff and our elders sometimes, but at the same time, I don't feel bad because you give me a heart that loves the Lord. You give me a heart that's truly, authentically humble before the Lord. Give me a heart that's for the Lord Jesus Christ and not for their own glory. Man, I just, I will walk with that person a long way. You give me a person who's seeking the desire and favor of the Lord Jesus Christ and is not again about their own glory, their own elevation or ambition. And I, I will walk side by side with that person with tremendous enthusiasm because that is the man or woman who is guaranteed to find the blessing of the Lord Jesus Christ. I just love the heart, and you should too, because the heart is everything. So one more passage about the heart, okay? Thank you, thank you, all right? 1 Peter 3, Peter speaks to the wives, and he says, wives, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of your hair, the jewelry, the clothing that you wear. And then he says, so this is, Often, um, I, got, I got four kids. I got two boys, two girls. And I two girls right now, seven and five. And, and you know, they're classic girls sometimes and putting their hair and, you know, and like to make sure they're kind of looking a little bit neat and nice and stuff. And that's all good, no problem. But I'll come up to them and I'll say, you know, it's okay to look pretty on the outside. But what's the real beauty? What's the, what's the most important part of your beauty, daughter? I know, Dad, the heart. The heart, you know. Oh, whatever. But I want to tell them over and over because our world is obsessed with external appearance. And loved ones, just a reminder, we would love here at Live in the Light, we would love to hear from you if God's been moving in such a strong way, maybe even just today, providing you with that great message of hope. Our phone number is one 22 light That's one 22 light Or you can reach out to us via our website at liveinthelight.ca. That's all for today, listeners. Join us again next time here on Live in the Light. Oh, yeah. I